nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And it's easy to say the words, Jesus is Lord, but it's quite another thing to say, wow, Jesus is the Lord. I have to bow down and surrender my life to him. I have to write a blank check. I have to surrender to him. We need your power. We need your grace. We need your strength to make through this grace. Hey, everybody. That guy you just heard, his name is Ralph Martin. Ralph was raised Catholic. Then he left the faith. Then, in college, he came back to it because he experienced something he thought was kind of strange, something he now calls a baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're talking to Ralph because this Sunday is Pentecost, the church's celebration of the descent of the Holy Spirit after the ascension of Jesus. But many of us, if we're being honest, aren't sure we really get the Holy Spirit. A lot of people talking about having relationships with Jesus Christ or knowing the love of God the Father, but do we know the Holy Spirit? For most of us, that's kind of complicated. So this week, to get ready for Pentecost, we asked some people to talk about the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the Ruach Elohim. Seminary professor Ralph Martin will talk with us about his personal experience of the Holy Spirit and the work that it has inspired. And then Cardinal Raymond Burke, who is a guy nobody would confuse with like a Pentecostal, will talk with us about his relationship with the Holy Spirit. But first, there's this really beautiful Pentecost tradition we want to talk about. In Rome, firefighters climb 140 feet up the dome of the Pantheon, which is this really big, round, ancient church. It actually used to be a pagan temple. The firefighters stand on a platform around the oculus, which is like this big hole, this big skylight at the top of the dome. And then gradually, handful by handful, they drop thousands of rose petals into the church below, while Catholics sing Veni Sancte Spiritus, Come Holy Spirit. The petals are a symbol of the Holy Spirit's descent. This tradition is really, really old. Some people say it dates back to the seventh century. And when we heard about this tradition, we thought it was pretty cool. So we tried to find a Roman fireman who drops the rose petals and speaks English. You guys, there is no such person. So then we found out that this rose petal dropping thing happens in America too, in Chicago. In our first segment, we'll talk with the pastor of a parish where volunteers climb into the church attic to drop rose petals on their fellow parishioners every Pentecost. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, and I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. Stay with us. It's Mass on Pentecost Sunday at St. John Cantus Parish in downtown Chicago. The priest gives the final blessing. The choir breaks into song. And then, rose petals fall from above. It's quite the sight. It's quite the sight. St. John Cantus Parish in Chicago has had this tradition for eight years. But the tradition is actually much older. It started in the 7th century at the Pantheon in Rome. The Pantheon, of course, is the, was originally a temple to all the gods, the, the Pantheon of Gods. It was later converted when Rome became Christian. 
to uh, a church in honor of Our Lady. This is Father Matthew Schuster. He's a priest with the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius and serves at the Chicago parish named after that same saint. The Pantheon is shaped like a sphere, a very beautiful geometric structure. Right on the top of the sphere, so it's a, a large dome, on the top of that dome, right in the center, there's a large opening, the oculus, and I think from the 7th century on, they've, uh, they've dropped rose petals on Pentecost through that opening in this aperture, which is fairly high off the ground. I don't know the exact height of it. Because of the spherical shape of, of this temple to Our Lady, um, the rose petals just kind of flutter out and they fill up the whole space. You can imagine on uh, Pentecost when people are thinking about the tongues of fire coming down on the apostles. It's a, a beautiful visual image to see these rose petals dancing in the, in, the, in the drafts as they come down on the people. So that's the, that's the origin of it. So how did this tradition that started in Rome end up at a parish in Chicago? Our founder, Father Frank Phillips, has always had an appreciation for connecting the local church with Rome, which is the mother of the Catholic Church throughout the world. And he saw, you know, this is something we could do at St. John Cantus Parish because uh, we have the, a large central vent in the crux of the church. And the, the church ceiling itself is, I think, about 120 feet off the, off the main level. The parish reached out to local florists who were more than happy to donate roses, even today, eight years later. That first year, the parish received 30 dozen roses. But they were still on the stems. And I remember just plucking, plucking the petals off for quite some time. All in all, the petals filled one trash bag. Like your typical 20-gallon trash bag. Members of the religious community at the parish carried the bag of petals into the attic of the church. Then they walked along a catwalk that runs the length of the church's roof until they reached that large metal grate at the very top and center of the church's ceiling. And then you just, there's a, there's a space in it where there's a, a duct that carries the hot air that rises in the church out, out to the roof. And so we just open that duct work up and... When the time comes, let the petals flow. That first Pentecost, the petals were a surprise to Catholics gathered for Mass below. Nobody knew what was going to happen. No, it was a big surprise for everybody, uh, especially to see the wonder, the, the childlike wonder. Um, of course, the children, they loved it. And it was an opportunity for them to, to try to catch the petals as they were coming down. But even adults, they just were taken over with this childlike awe. Just, wow, this is so neat. Yeah, I have very vivid memories of that very first time. That first year, they dropped one trash bag of rose petals. This Sunday, they're expecting to drop two or three. And sometimes you get the occasional um, rose that wasn't plucked fully. So it's, it's, <laughs> uh, some of our priests have experienced a large clump of petals 
<laughs> falling down as, as they're trying to process out. Like the Holy Spirit wanted to give those priests a little more grace that day. <laughs> All at once, and it comes with a thud, <laughs> which you're not expecting. <laughs> and as the tradition continues at St. John Cantus, word is spreading. Father told me he notices Mass on Pentecost Sunday is a little more crowded than usual. Of course, we, we have our regular parishioners, but when something special is happening there, They'll tell friends or family that normally, you know, maybe it's a bit of a drive or they, they're involved in another parish and they'll come and make a special trip on that Sunday just to, just to experience uh, this tradition. And everyone is ready. The parish drops the petals after the final blessing so people feel free to reach for the petals or let their children collect them from the pews and the ground. I'm sure this coming Sunday the kids actually, they'll come with, uh, with little bags already. You know, usually people spread throughout the church and they all have their, their pews that they like, but on Pentecost, you notice there's a concentration near the right near the center of the church because everyone's anticipating that moment. It's become quite the memorable, uh, memorable tradition. Of course, this is not a strictly liturgical tradition. It's not part of the Mass or the Mass formula, but it's a very ancient tradition that uh, certainly has a beautiful symbolic meaning. I mean, the, the whole liturgy speaks in physical signs and symbols. It's uh, crafted to communicate to humans who are bodies and spirits. So what a beautiful witness to the gospel message to have a tangible sign that's literally falling uh, from the ceiling. And you can just imagine, you know, the the young people today who are just, they just love Pentecost for these rose petals. What an impression that's leaving in their mind, their heart. Father Matthew says there are many other similar traditions in the Catholic faith around the world. There are, I think, in Slavic countries on the Feast of St. Stephen, which is December 26th, they have a tradition of throwing grains of wheat down from the choir loft on the priest as he passes by in memory of the, of the martyr who was stoned to death. On the Feast of Our Lady of the Snows, August 5th, there's also a tradition of dropping white rose petals in honor of the miracle that occurred in Rome for the, uh, the outline of St. Mary Major that appeared in the August heat with snow. So there's a, just tons of these beautiful traditions, and it's uh, really good, really beautiful to be able to make them alive again. Because people want that. They want that tangible connection with their faith. They want to know the story, the tradition, and to have it expressed in a way that's not just intellectual, but something that engages all their senses. And a rose is an apt symbol for Pentecost. The symbol of the rose itself has a lot to say about the mystery of the Holy Spirit. It has the thorns, the suffering, the trials of our life, and also the rose, which is the consolation, something beautiful. And the Holy Spirit, one of the names we use for him is paraclete, which literally means consoler. So, I mean, when, when our Lord preached to the, the disciples, the apostles, the constant message for him was to be a Christian, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to have to carry your cross. And I think that that's something we are aware when we live our faith generously, authentically, there is a taste of the cross that accompanies us. But the beauty of Pentecost, as the, the rose petals are dropping, we're reminded that the Holy Spirit is the consoler 
and that if we stay faithful to our Lord through the times of trial, if we faithfully carry our cross, those thorns will bear many, many roses, many beautiful roses. Ah, I could say a lot about it, but you're, you're getting me excited prematurely, you know? For CNA Newsroom, I'm Kate Bike. everyone. My name is Mary Farrow, and I am a reporter with Catholic News Agency, and I'm here with my husband, Kevin. Kevin, why do you like to listen to CNA Newsroom? Well, I listen to CNA Newsroom to make my 45-minute commute shorter and to ease the pain of traffic. It keeps me up to date on everything that's happening in the Catholic world, and when I want to learn more, I can always hit the website later. We also like to listen to CNA Newsroom at home in our apartment. Thursday nights are usually our free nights, and that happens to be the day that new episodes of the podcast are released. So, while we're making dinner, we like to tune in. So pop online and hit subscribe. Find CNA Newsroom on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or most anywhere you get your podcasts. And now, back to the show. People can believe the correct things about God, believe the correct things about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, but not enter into the kind of encounter with with the persons of the Trinity that can really ignite a fire in their heart. Ralph Martin directs graduate theology programs in the New Evangelization at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit. That fire he was just talking about? Martin never really experienced it himself until his university days. I was a senior at Notre Dame, uh, and I was really caught up in the confusion of the 60s. And I had become a philosophy major because I was searching for the truth and was, wasn't finding it. And the more philosophy he studied, the more confused he became. And then a friend invited me to make a weekend retreat called the Curcio. Curcio is one of many charismatic renewal movements within the church. It was founded in the early 20th century by a Catholic layman in Spain. Today, it takes the form of three-day retreats held across the world. I was very skeptical about going. I didn't think I'd get anything out of it. But on that retreat, I really heard beautiful explanations about the faith, but I also heard ordinary lay people talking about their relationship with Jesus, and that kind of shocked me. They were talking about a friendship with him, a, a contact with him that I wasn't experiencing. And then all I could say is that uh, I, I just began to feel like he was present there. Like, wow, you know, I think Jesus really is real. You know, I, I, I think he really has been raised from the dead. I, I think he's here in this retreat house. And if that's the case, whoa, I've got some pretty important decisions to make. You know, if he's really the Lord, uh, I've got to really surrender to him, and that means like submitting to him my future, my plans, my relationships, my dreams, my hopes, my sins. Uh, I felt like this flood of God's love just came into my soul. I think I was actually baptized in the Spirit, never knew that what the language meant. Uh, this was before the Catholic Charismatic Renewal became a big thing. 
So I think I feel like it happened to me independently of, of a movement just to, to show me that this is something for everybody. The Holy Spirit first descended on the church at Pentecost. Many contemporary Catholics have rediscovered the Holy Spirit through a movement called the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, which began in the 1960s, shortly after the Second Vatican Council. There was an opening to the charismatic dimension of the church that happened at Vatican II, and that's, I think, what's opened the door to recovering this dimension of the church because the whole Catholic Church is supposed to be charismatic. Vatican II says we need a renewal, and uh, one of the things that it, it, it emphasized was the work of the Holy Spirit in the Constitution on the Church, Section 12. It says that the Holy Spirit doesn't just work through sacraments and ordained ministry, but it works through every single layperson who the Spirit gives gifts to. We are not conscious of the fact that the Holy Spirit is constantly at work in us. Uh, we are alive in Christ because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, and uh, I, I have that sense daily. This is Cardinal Raymond Burke. He told us the Holy Spirit was influential in his discernment of his vocation to the priesthood, and later in his acceptance of the call to be a bishop. Which was a very, for me, a, a, a fearful call, but it was through praying for the help of the Holy Spirit that I had the, the courage to say yes and to and embrace that further call in my priesthood. He has also prayed for and received the guidance of the Holy Spirit in his pastoral outreach to people who are in sometimes very difficult or complicated situations. To be able to give them the, the wisest, uh, most Christ-like counsel. And I've experienced that repeatedly, I have to say. Ralph, too, has seen the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of the people he encounters through the work of his nonprofit mission organization, Renewal Ministries. One of the most important characteristics of somebody who's been acted on by the Holy Spirit is a deeper understanding of the awesomeness of Jesus and the necessity of really laying down everything at his feet and becoming his disciple. It would be sort of like a, an excitement about Jesus, a respect about Jesus, a, a desire to follow him. Those would be indications of the Holy Spirit working in somebody's life, a, a hunger for prayer, a, a hunger for his word. The Church teaches that there are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit – wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. This is not just some kind of an abstract idea. These are concrete ways. Uh, these the sevenfold gift are all the concrete ways that the, the Holy Spirit uh, is helping us all the time if we simply call upon His help. Both Cardinal Burke and Ralph said the Holy Spirit continues to work for good in the world and the Church today. Many people are discouraged. They see the situation of the world, the attack on human life, the attack, the attack on the integrity of marriage and the family, the attack on, on religious liberty, uh, so many crazy things in the world. And then they see that within the Church itself, too, that there is a growing confusion and, and division. I keep saying to them, but look at all of the good uh, Catholics, all the good Catholic families are, who are striving to lead, live their faith and are doing so with, with great integrity, and I meet them all the time. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, there's no other explanation for it. Underneath the surface of all the confusion and corruption and discouraging things that are happening, there's people awakening all over the world 
to the reality of Jesus Christ, the beauty of the church, life in the Holy Spirit. And underneath the surface, there's a, there's a new springtime beginning to creep up. It's not going to be big. It's not going to be visible for a long time. But God is kind of already bringing about a, a deep renewal in people's lives that's going to be the future of the church. If you're listening to this and thinking, I haven't thought about the Holy Spirit since I was confirmed. Or if you want to better incorporate him into your daily life, Cardinal Burke and Ralph have some advice for you. The principal work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is drawing us to the worship of God and to, to, to daily prayer. Uh, and uh, I, I think that if someone is not, for instance, participating in, in Sunday Mass or is not praying daily and so forth, that the, let the Holy Spirit guide you first there and you will see so many other wonderful fruits that come from it. One of the, the great manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the fact that we turn to God in prayer and above all in worship. Ralph recalled meeting with St. John Paul II shortly after his election as Bishop of Rome. He wanted to hear our stories, he wanted to hear our testimonies. Then he told us his testimony. He said when he was a little boy, his father told him, every single day ask the Holy Spirit to help you, ask the Holy Spirit to come to you. And, and St. John Paul II said, every single day of his life he's been praying for the Holy Spirit. So I would encourage every Catholic this Pentecost to do what John Paul II did. Every single day, ask for the Holy Spirit, desire the Holy Spirit, beg the Holy Spirit to come to you. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Carl Bunderson. That's it for this week's episode of CNA Newsroom. Thanks for listening. I'm your host and CNA's editor-in-chief, J.D. Flynn. We're produced and edited by Kate Vike and Jonah McKeown. Our executive producer is Kate the Great Vike. Special thanks this week to all our guests on this week's episode and, of course, to the Holy Spirit who uh, inspires us and stuff. And uh, thanks to CNA intern Bea Kwasai, who's hanging out in our studio this week, learning the podcasting ropes. Happy and blessed Pentecost, everybody. 